0: for that that's like 95 percent margin i really like about amazon first thing in the morning i think there's something very humanistic about catching your prey like with amazon when i source i am directly making money first thing in the morning just got used to the schedule of until i spent two grand or three grand on amazon i would not eat that's probably an average seven days a week that's not just like right and consistency is so much more valuable than spurts of intensity in my opinion or anything. You want to be, like, the simplest way to become a millionaire, um, the fact of the matter is, money is essential in the world that we live in.
1: Since you have an account who's really doing all this for you, you have no idea how much you're
0: making. I show you orange bars of a hundred K a month that means my profit is 15, and that doesn't mean my bank account gets 15. And I know a lot of these guys behind closed doors,
2: and that's what I see out of a lot of
0: them. And I'm at a point I don't know what to do. Keep a product finder, to me, it's the move. It's going down, that type of stuff. It's just, there's no way you don't
2: win. Because you just have such an advantage over everybody else, and you have to have some type of competitive advantage here.
1: And I, That's why I think test buying is so underrated. And it's like you're literally you if you're not willing to put up 100 200 bucks to find out if you can move 5 to 10 of these, you're at a huge disadvantage
2: because what we're talking about is which it's late in the podcast and people might have even turned it off by now, but this is like the most important part you can take about Amazon.
1: What is up guys? Welcome to another episode of the Side Hustle Experiment podcast. Today we have Jonathan AKA Duke does Amazon. He's done millions of dollars on Amazon. He's doing it part-time, runs a beer tour business, which I'm super interested in learning about because I love craft beer. He has a family, He, I, this is someone I talk to almost daily. Um, and he has really unique ways of sourcing insights on Amazon. So we're super excited to have him here. Uh, so thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, like you said, I know we speak very frequently I respect both you guys tremendously, so uh, I look forward to our convo.
2: Yeah, I actually, uh, I was just thinking the other day when he recommended you as a guest, I was like, yeah, I'd love to have that guy on first, because out of all the podcasts I've done, yours is my favorite I've done, which I never have told you that probably, but yeah, because you asked me some questions that were like, Why do you want to make this much money? And that's yeah. like, I never get asked that. I usually what do you recommend for beginners? Dude, yeah. Like, like I want I want to know the deep stuff. And you like pulled that out and I'm like, that was like by far the best one I've done.
0: So totally, man. I mean, well beyond Amazon or, or even business in general, like I can talk life, you know what I mean? And like that to me gets me going. So I appreciate the compliment. Um, you're not the first person that said that. I think also after doing a few, you just get tired of it myself. And also, I'm in the trenches. So, like, the general questions become stale. I, I want to learn more about the people in certain niches. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because yeah, these he, like, have you ever been on his podcast? It's like, it's funny you should say that because I was the first one.
0: That's right. That's <laughs> right, John. You were. <laughs>
1: So do you want to kind of, so we don't really like to do like the whole, like, how do you get started? Cause everyone has like kind of a similar story, right. but I know yours is a little more interesting. If I understand it, you had a beer tour company and then yeah. COVID happened and then you started selling on Amazon. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So, uh, repping some hoodie or action today, but, um, yeah. So long story short, I have bought and sold things as long as time. Um, I'm 36 now. So like, before it was Facebook and it was Craigslist and things like that. So um, I've always had the uh, the idea and the concept down pat. I kind of got away from it for whatever reason. Uh, started a tour company, as you mentioned. Um, and then that was halted during COVID. And in the back of my mind, this whole time, it was, I always wanted to get with the modern times of, of flipping stuff. Just because I've always had a knack for it. As long, you know, from early teenage days. From like... Textbooks up to homes and it's all the same you buy low and you sell high like that's really the gist of it and there's data right and So anyway, uh, I dove into YouTube came across Amazon FBA started doing RA did that primarily for two years Moved states. I knew that eventually I wanted to get away from RA for the typical reasons Um, And even though anybody can succeed with any model and I was moving states And so I transitioned to OA and that's pretty much what I've been doing exclusively for the last two years, give or take. Cool. That's awesome. Why
2: why did you start the like beer business originally? Like what, what did you do
0: before that? Why'd you start that? Good question. So, um, I went to college, I graduated, I had a corporate job right out of that great first job, learned a lot. Um, but very early on in my journey. And I always preface, like, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't better or worse for me. I knew from a young age, I just couldn't play the game, right? I could mm. not play the game. And I remember something vividly from my first yearly review. I did everything they asked for me. I definitely produced. I had like a marketing position, by the way, for a, a pretty cool restaurant chain that started at my college uh, and has now grown on grown on to hundreds of units. It's called Tijuana Flats. It's like in the Southeast. It's like oh, a Chipotle. I've heard of that before. So, so I was on board early in their journey did everything they asked. You know, I was making like in the 30s, right out of school, uh, saving everything, living with mom. And I remember at my yearly review, I was basically told I should be thankful I got a 5% raise because most people get a three. And at that point, it, it, I had this moment of, um, as long as I don't do a horrible enough job to get fired, it doesn't matter how good of a job I do, right? And and by the way, that's that's combined with me always having side hustles and businesses. So then uh, I jumped from that to a different job. While I'm at that second job, it's another great job. Outside sales, decent pay, company car, like a Toyota Highlander. I'm in my mid twenties, and um, and I started a mobile auto detailing business on the side. Okay. And this is where I made a huge, huge mistake. And that was I went cold turkey. I was tired of the corporate thing. And I knew corporate was never long term, but looking back, I should have leveraged that sweet gig as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Start the detailing thing. Um, Then one last time, I make a jump back into the corporate wall. I've built up the detailing thing a little bit. And it was such a sweet gig. I mean, this was probably late 20s, making 70K, no nine to five great bonuses, it was for a a wine distributor, free wine, like, it was sweet. And I couldn't, I couldn't play the game. I just couldn't play the game. And that's when I knew that was gonna be it for me. And by the way, at this time, I had bought and sold a couple homes, the market kept going up, I lived in places while I fixed them up. So I wasn't, I wasn't blowing it, right? And then I just, eventually just went cold turkey. And I got, to answer your question, I just felt all this was relative. Um, at this point, I knew I wanted to do my own thing, but I wanted to be more passionate about it. Okay. I love food and beverage. I didn't want to take on a brick and mortar. I really like the mobile business concept in general, minimal overhead, prove the concept, uh, without taking out massive loans. Like I just used my own money, bought a used bus, got started. I do love craft beer. I love breweries. I love coffee shops. And, um, Long story short, had a couple light bulb moments. I said, I think this concept will work in my area. And now we've been going for, gosh, seven years. I have a second location in Asheville. We're going to open a third. And then from there, I either have to, I have a couple of decisions to make. The The thought is to franchise, but that I, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there.
1: That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I feel like you solve a ton of problems with the whole craft beer yeah, us because whenever we're going to me and our girlfriend are traveling or we're i'm doing something for amazon like we're always going to stay an extra couple of days or get there early and we're always like where are the best place where are the best breweries and you go on like an app like untapped or you yeah. go on google and you know if you like craft beer uh, and any review it's hit or miss like yeah there's just some really good breweries and there are just some ones that aren't. And typically from what I've experienced, the coolest breweries typically have the worst beer. Um, it's these kind of like down and out, like you're at a brewery and you're like, this isn't that great. And you turn to the person next to you, they're like, you got to go to this one. Yeah. And that's like <laughs> the one that's like not on any of the lists. Or, and yeah. Then they just like, Oh yeah, we never heard of this one either. So I think, that, like, just being able to, like, take people and kind of, I guess that is, like, the heart of entrepreneurship in a nutshell, is kind of solving other people's problems. Right. And kind of bringing them, like, this great experience.
0: Right. Yeah, no, totally. And, um, you know, it's funny you say that. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a beer snob. I, I equate a brewery, like, think of a spectrum. On the left-hand side is a coffee shop, and the right-hand side is a bar. I think a brewery skews closer to the coffee shop. Like, it's very yeah. rare that someone's hammered at a brewery. They're they're yeah. paying a certain price for the beer. There's a lot cheaper ways to get hammered. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like to me, I've always enjoyed I'm um, social, but I'm not into the club scene, the bar scene. So like <laughs> that's how it spoke to me at least. And I love cooking and food, so like it's kind of like I respect people that do anything with their hands, whether it be a baker or a roaster, you know, a craft beer shop, whatever. So so that's kind of how, you know, you know, that's how I dove into, I I, I will say, because I don't want to sugarcoat something. and I think this is an important message for anyone that's entrepreneurial. I do think that the concept of pursuing your passion is a crock. I really, really think it's a crock. Um, and I'm, I'm living proof. The fact of the matter is, think about this. I want you to think of your favorite meal, your favorite people, your favorite day. If you had that every single day, and not only that, you had to do it in order to earn income, you would get tired of that too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I think I think think about like what fits the lifestyle you want. And I'm all about trying things, but um, and by no means do I hate this, by any means. But I do think it's important that like at least for my opinion, the concept of like find your passion, and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I still have to file sales tax, I still have to do marketing, India. I still have to do HR. Like I understand, you can outsource that stuff, but it's not just like for my example, just going to the best craft breweries and the highlights of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, you still have to do all the
1: buses. People aren't happy. Like all this other stuff.
2: Yeah. so How much? If you don't mind saying this, how much margin do you make on the revenue from that business? Like, is it a high? Because the only reason I ask is because, as we all notoriously know, Amazon's got yeah. these huge numbers but your profit is just a little bitty pinch of it so i wonder like a yeah. real life business how that would
0: good. go yeah it's it's actually really it's a good question and i think let me just preface it's really been eye-opening because we have a relatively low margin business in amazon right mm-hmm. and what i do with the tours is is very high margin um so we, to give you just a real quick snapshot we basically have two options at the end of the day some people just say hey I don't know if you guys checked it out but like we have we i'm very uh bullish on branding so i've invested in like wrapping the vehicles it really stands out it's fun whatever really nice thank you thank you so um to me that's really important so some people just rent us out to go brewery hopping they're like listen we don't need a tour we don't need behind the scenes just give us a fun personable driver with an instagram worthy bus and you know provide a great service So for that, that's like 95% margin. You know, it's like they're paying us for the the bus, right? For driving them around. So you have gas and labor. So not 95%. I'm kind of just emphasizing a point. It's a very high margin. The other one is a guided tour. You pay us by person, so not by the hour. We go to three different breweries. We include your flight of beer, behind-the-scenes tour, etc., If we charge 89 and our cost might be 25 to give you some context. So also there, you know, you know, what's that 65 bucks profit on 90. So like give or take 70% pre gas and labor. So even if we want to be conservative, very conservative, because you're going to have insurance, you're going to have maintenance, you know, 50% margin, 60% margin, but it's not a volume game. You're not going to run a, a Tuesday afternoon tour very often. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And is there any reason that you didn't not try to turn it more into a volume game, but like, I'm sure there's like certain things maybe like adding to the marketing and thing to grow that business. But obviously you've decided that half your time or whatever amount of time needs to be allocated yeah. to Amazon, because it's probably well worth your time. So I'm sure you did the numbers there. What made you think, well, why did you drop, why not drop the Amazon and go like full in on like growing this beer? whatever tour company huge.
0: Yeah. 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 Good question. So, so, um, since we're going there, I'll give you a little more background right before COVID. I did make the, the decision, the financial, um, investment we're legally able to franchise. Okay. That happened during COVID. All right. But let me, let me explain this to you. Uh, I think this is the best way I can explain it. Let's say I started instead of the tour company, I started a coffee shop in my, in my town, right? If that had success, I could open one three miles away. And if that had success, another three miles, right? And I can now be in the same proximity, if all goes well, of 20 coffee shops. And I can oversee them. Johnny calls out of work. I can pull someone from here, right? With the tour company concept of what we do, it only works in in one per market and not nearly every market, right? So, so for instance, um, like I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, the closest one from here is probably Charlotte, North Carolina would be my next logical one. Right. And what I've come to realize because of that volume game discussion, the B markets are okay. But like being in Asheville, it's doing really well. So it's, and my bet one back home was like a C market. I just didn't know any better. That was my hometown, West Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah. Right. So, so I say all that to say very quickly, if I have five locations, I'm not there to see Johnny when they help help, you know, even if I hire great people and pay them well, I'm not in the market. And that's why um, the growth model is going to be franchising where it's owner operators that have skin in the game in their hometown, as opposed to me trying to grow it without being there or, you know, there's a million ways to do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. But that's kind of my thought process. You know, if I'm going to grow it, it's going to be franchising because then I can teach from afar.
2: Yeah, it kind of – to me, it seems like it plays into the whole lifestyle thing you were talking about. For you to to grow that like wide like that, your life would probably suck. you probably work like 80 hours a week to do that. See, that makes a ton of sense. I didn't even think about it like that.
0: If I was younger, I could even see like – I mean like real young, go live – Six months in a city, get it off the ground, go to another city and do that. But like,
1: mm.
0: I'm, I'm, I have a kid now. Like, it's just, it's. I don't even want to 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 do that. But but a younger me would have if I if I knew to start it younger. So you know, just everyone's. You know, like you said, the lifestyle thing, different chapters. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the goal is to grow it with finding the right owner operators. Sense. Yeah,
1: that's. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So how does, how do you, I guess, balance your time between this and Amazon? Like, How do you decide how much you want to allocate to each and kind of what does your Amazon business look like?
0: Yeah. You, well with Amazon, I'll give you like a pretty something. This, this has happened in the last six to eight months. I essentially source, I get up, I'll just walk you through my day for the most part. I'm up at like five thirty. I hit the gym, there's a local coffee shop by me that opens at 6.30. I'm typically there sourcing or working on my Amazon business, sourcing and maybe handling some other stuff, um, you know, all the mundane and admin prep, uh, prep center sheet, et cetera, till 9.30, give or take. Now, some days if I'm cruising and I don't need to be home for the kid for something, you know, I might extend that. But once I hit that three-hour threshold anyway, I'm fried. I need to, to regroup anyway. But I, I think I was explaining this to my partner. Um, and I was telling her, you know what I really like about Amazon first thing in the morning, I think there's something very humanistic about catching your prey. Like with Amazon, when I source, I am directly making money first thing in the morning, right? Yeah. And then that gives me a little bit of peace to do, admin, content, beer bus right stuff like that so i really really like sourcing first thing in the morning also because i am a morning person that's how i'm wired um and then from there you know every day my my significant other has she works from home we don't have like a a a nanny or anything so like depending on her schedule i have to be available for the kid um the beer bus you know at this point i kind of just one really nice thing about it Bookings happen online. I'm there to answer questions. It's kind of autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. I've put in the work up front to now be in that position. So, um, it's funny because as I'm saying this, like my days, I never feel like I get enough. I never have enough time. But as I say this, I can't think of the things that I do. You know what I mean? Um, Amazon to me, uh, It's a priority. I like doing it. Like there's nothing I need to be doing with the beer bus at 6 30 AM. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, like I don't take days off, but it's not like I'm a workaholic. It's just, everything just flows into my life. I'm not set on weekends off nights off. Like I'm with the kid during the day, the night, the weekends. So like, I'm just kind of muddling it all together. And to be honest, it's a constant work in progress, but I feel like I have a pretty good balance. Like I'm not burnt out by any means. And I certainly think I'm giving it all I got.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like there are a couple of things there for me. Like, I feel like that's a big misconception too. When you're just like, I don't consider it work and I don't either. And I feel that's kind of like a hard misconception for a lot of people who may be working at nine to five or like, I've haven't really been working that much. Cause I've been traveling for the holidays and stuff like that. But I think a lot of people, me and Drew are actually talking about before this, how much work this podcast actually takes. Like, Mm -hmm. we're used to just kind of doing live videos, and it's done. We're doing a lot of pre-production, post-production, chopping stuff up. I don't think, it it doesn't feel like work for me. Like, I can't speak for Drew, but... We're just having a blast, dude. We're texting each other almost every hour. But, oh, did you see this? Oh, we should do this. Oh, we should have this person. Oh, we should do... Like, it's just this whole... I don't consider it work that, like, yeah. a, DM you a link and schedule this and do all this other stuff. And, like, yeah, maybe one day it gets outsourced. But, like, I just can't see a time where that is. And I do also think it's interesting, too, um, is that you mentioned that you only put three hours of work in... Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll put this in context. It's not every. I feel yeah. like sometimes you say something general, like "oh, we're through." Like, no, you it's like no, it's just a general yeah. kind of context, um, and I think that's really important. I think a lot of people think you have to source ten hours a day, or like Kohl's is having a sale, like you got to pull an all-nighter, and this and that, and like I've been there before, and I usually make terrible buy decisions when I'm not sleeping or I just can't think yeah. about stuff. And then kind of last thing for me, and I'll let Drew say what he wants to say, is I really like the idea of getting after it in the morning. I've Mm -hmm. tried all sorts of things where it's like, I'm going to, so for me, I used to go to the gym in the morning. I just don't like going to the gym in the morning. I like to wake up and kind of work on the Amazon business because that's where I'm the sharpest. It's either Amazon or content because... If I have to come up with, like, something creative for content, like, I don't have to be creative to, like, post an Instagram post because I already know what's going on. But, like, if I'm trying to think of something to do special for the podcast or, like, ideas, like, I want to be fresh for that. But there's just something in my mind not having, like, Amazon holding over, like, being that held over my head. Being like, oh, like, you haven't found anything today yet. It's like, oh, when are you going to stores? I always felt like that was over my head. And it's like, oh, if I just get that done first, nothing else really matters. And it just makes it a lot easier for me. Um, So I really like that idea of just like getting it after the morning. And for me, like spending the two hours in the gym, it's like, I'll do that at like nine o'clock to 11 o'clock, when I kind of need that break after the three hours of whatever I just did. Um, But I found that interesting that you kind of said that.
2: Yeah, I'm a large proponent of that. I tell people yeah. exactly what you just said. I say really? you should get up in the morning and I even extend it more than just like hunt your prey, but do not eat food until you spend yeah. X amount of money. Like maybe that's like tricking us into some primal instinct, but that's what I would do. I'm I intermittent fast every morning, not because I'm some intermittent fast guy, because I've just got used to the schedule of until I spent two grand or three grand on Amazon, I would not eat. So I like to yeah. force myself to, you have to sit at that computer and just pound the caffeine until you find enough stuff. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, I have to hunt that like prey in the morning. And on top of that, scientifically, I'm almost positive. You had your math classes in the morning in school. A lot of the times because your brain is, it does work better in the morning, especially yeah. if you haven't digested all this food. I'm big into that kind of stuff. Just like you have no brain yep, fog, yep. you're just up and at it. So I think that's a huge thing anybody can take. It's trying yeah. to do it after work, which I think a lot of people do. Is like I'll get home from my like soul sucking nine to five and then try to find stuff. Like you're yeah. playing a massive losing battle there. Like get up early and pound that there.
0: Yeah, and let, let me piggyback on that because you guys both just seem seem to be into that too. A couple of things I want to put there. Three hours is probably essentially what I'm doing sourcing, and then there's still some prep and pack. There might be admin. But it's also, that's probably an average seven days a week. That's not just like, right? And consistency is so much more valuable than spurts of intensity, in my opinion. Um, And by the way, keep in mind, I'm at this for four years. My three hours now of sourcing is the equivalent of 20 hours of sourcing a couple years ago. This is like when you get in great shape all you have to do is maintain right like now i'm reaping the benefits because i'm so much more efficient with it right and and this is one it's funny cuz i think about this like i think this is very common in the amazon world but you start you started as a side hustle and it's really hard to find stuff while you're working a job then you get a little success and you're so eager to leave your 9 to 5 and then when you do this more later on you realize dude, it doesn't take me hardly any time to achieve the same results that I used to. I could do this like in two hours a day. And like, yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, Amazon's an incredible opportunity that if you if you get to a certain level that we're probably all at, you know, you can be super efficient with it, like super efficient. And by the way, I will say, I really like giving myself hard, not like, hey, I'm going to source this morning. I'm sourcing until this time, or like Drew, to your point, this amount, because something I've noticed, we're having a kid now, um, you have to be so precise with your time, right? I don't have time to BS on like scrolling too much. Don't get me wrong, I'm guilty of it like everyone, but like, I find that it's like, hey man, I got two hours this morning and that's it. That's all I'm going to get today, so let's lock in, let's wake up, no snooze, like let's hit it, you know? And, um, and yeah, and, and, you know, and I'm also want to say whatever works for everyone, you know, I, I do think something's very powerful about the morning because if show me somebody that wakes up at five 30 and does something hard for the first couple hours of the day, how can they not have some form of success is kind of my thing. You know, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying if you wake up at nine, you can't have success. But I can't see somebody that wakes up consistently in the 5 a.m. range, working out, working on their business, not finding success sooner or later.
1: I have found that when I wake up, I've been sick the last two days. I've been sleeping in to like eight. I wake up, I'm like, I've been trying not to do any work. Obviously, it's hard to do that when you work for yourself. But I just feel like so behind. It's like when you're up at five, you work for three hours like this is going to sound like narcissistic or whatever. It's like half the people aren't even up. Hell Those yeah. People probably get up at eight, eight It's like, oh, yeah. bro, I have three hours on you right now. Like if you're I... not going to beat me. Like I'm already doing, I'm, I'm off to the gym and you're just waking up. Yep. I already got, I already spent two grand and that's kind of wide away. And I, it's such a hard line to take sometimes because people were like, Oh, well, easy for you to so say, you could just wake up. It's like, well, you could wake up early too. It's a choice. Like, did I always wake up at five? I was always pretty much an early riser. There are sometimes I don't want to wake up at five, but I get up anyway and like do what I have to do. And I think a lot of the times it just comes down to choices. Like, right. if I look at why I woke up at like eight today, it's like because I was sick yesterday. We were just watching Netflix all day, stayed yep. up to like eleven thirty, and it's so it's not that I can't wake up at five. It's like you decide to stay up to eleven thirty watching netflix yeah this maybe happens to be like twice a year but like i think a lot of people when you look back and you're not like, oh, i don't have time it's like well if you're scrolling on your phone you you're watching the latest stuff on tv you're watching football four hours your team yeah. like i get it like you don't want to give that stuff up but right if you want something else there's time really listen there,
0: there's absolutely time so, i don't and that listen I, i'm not saying people should do this I'm really not, but like, I don't really care for television. I don't, I don't watch sports. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. I am not saying people should give that up. It's just not me. Right. But, um, you know, if, if, if you want to do that and you say you don't have time, you're lying. Like you do have time. It's just not a priority. Again, I'm not saying somebody should do that, but you do have time. Like you do have time, you know? Yeah, and I, I would, I thought you guys were talking about getting up early. I didn't even think about
2: five. I get up at eight. So I'm one of these guys you guys are talking about. But for yeah. me, eight's early. But you like, you got
1: late though, don't
2: you? Yeah. So I stay. up <laughs> So like, I'll give you. Last night, I started like drinking some bourbon with my girlfriend at like whatever like 10 o'clock or something and i recorded this twitter video that i'm going to put out today and then i write some tweets because i get more creative during that time for some reason i'm just a better writer which maybe that's cope, but whatever i don't care and uh, <laughs> i'll write stuff like that and then i'll just like pound out my content for the night or i'll just do it's more creative or whatever dude so yeah. that's like how i work with that stuff but hearing you guys talk about the 5 a.m i mean i probably could shift to that really easy because i don't stay up and watch sports and shit like if i'm yeah. staying up it's i'm trying to like go through my day and try to work through, watch some content on stuff that maybe I'm going to do the next day. I try to be official with my time late. So not that if people are listening, like you need to get up at five, like I'm sure not that at all. I'm, maybe I will do that in the future. I'll definitely try it. Cause you guys both do it. I didn't even know that, but you yeah. can still get the same amount. Like eight is early for me. I mean, that's like way early. I used to get up at like 10 o'clock in college. I'd schedule 11 o'clock classes and still sleep over just because yeah, yeah. I was up late the night before. But
0: yeah. ultimately, Ultimately, it comes down to what do you do with the hours you're awake? That's what it boils down to. And by the way, another thing I'll say, you guys, I don't think are in this situation. But like for me having the kid thing, the only time that I have truly to myself that does not get interrupted is like 530 to nine. So like I know come nine o'clock, if I get literally nothing else done that day, but I spent a couple grand on Amazon and I got a workout in cool. Right. And so like, yeah, you, I don't think everyone's meant to be five o'clock. I would, I would encourage people to at least try different things and figure out what works for you because we all are different. You know, we all have different nuances and lifestyles and things going on.
1: I meant to say this before too. I just, you just popped back to my head. I think that the important part, not so much you, I think you have to decide when you're going to do what you're going to do, because for me, it was always when I had like the nine to five, it sucked because I did books. So I didn't really, I would wake up early and go to the gym to get that done. But if I was doing OA, I would a hundred percent do like five because let's be honest, when you're working a nine to five, it's not a nine to five or like you have a kid, it's not a nine to five either. Right. Like once you get there, like you have no idea what the day is going to bring. I do think that was like interesting what you said before. It's like, you know, it's just not three hours. I source three hours and it's hard to kind of pin down for me too. Like, what do you do per day? It's like, well, like sometimes like maybe you texts me, like you should do this or here's an idea. And then it's like, Oh, like I should do that now. Like this other thing I'm doing, like let's execute on this. So I think like, you know, knowing that I got done what I wanted to get done first thing, like it really makes sure I get what's important done And then it frees me up to do whatever.
0: Yep. Totally.
2: I feel like th- this might be maybe that you don't do, incorporate a lot of this stuff, but from what I know so far, I feel like maybe you do because you go to a coffee shop. Is there are there little maybe productivity type of tricks that you have? So like, I have little routines I'll do in the morning. I, I do something. I'll, I'll touch on it after, but I'm interested to hear like what's your kind of if you had to recommend, which I know it works for you, but it could you know inspire somebody else. Like I've never even thought about doing that because I think the hunt yeah. to kill thing. Us just talking about that, we haven't even talked about it and we both do that that could be something that a lot of people
0: incorporate so any kind of like tricks productivity little hacks yeah it's funny i don't i i don't necessarily subscribe but like i'm some i'm sure like you guys i just follow so many people online in that space and it's funny because the coffee shop thing i subscribed to before i saw anybody talking about it if you ever you ever have a time where like you have this thought and you and a belief and then somebody else with some credibility says the same thing. And then you're like, I knew, I knew I had it. Right.
1: You know, yeah. I wish I tweeted it first. Like, so, uh,
0: <laughs> so, so I don't know if you guys follow, there's this guy, uh, Dan Co. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so this is kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I should say this, I don't subscribe to anything hardcore. I have tinkered with stuff with time. What I love about, uh, I did read a book a couple years ago called the miracle morning. Uh, that kind of has a religious undertone. I'm not necessarily religious, but, but the story is really impressive. It's, it's like a top selling book. Um, and the fact that I've always been a morning person I leaned into, but the coffee shop thing is this, it's a clean environment, uh, with OA, it can get very boring. Like, um, you know, it's kind of just a ritual. I, I noticed if I'm on, let's say I'm visiting my significant other's family in Minnesota, A couple of times this stuff happened and then it clicked for me. When I'm in a new environment, my juices flow better, right? There's no dirty laundry. There's no room to clean up. My body knows, A, I'm looking forward to my coffee, right? I'm looking forward to some interaction with people that are part of my life. Other solopreneurs, by the way, and stuff like that. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people, uh, some friendships I've made. And it's clean. It's comfortable. Um, it's social, it's a new environment. And I'm just like, when I'm in a new environment, uh, I'm, I'm at my best. I really am. And, and like my body knows it's time to work. There's no TV, there's no this and that. So like, that's something to me. And I love this too. Like, I love having this debate with people like, dude, if you're telling me a $5 coffee is, is the reason someone's not having success, you are out of your mind. Like, like yeah. that's such that's such the wrong mindset. And by the way, I, I actually, I think I made a post about this, but let's say I told you, I had a $150 a month co-working space. Right. Uh, and it was, had a cleaning service. You get a free coffee every day. You rub elbows with uh, solopreneurs and it's not month to month. You would be like, wow, that's incredible. 150 yeah. bucks a month. Right. Well, that's what I'm doing with the coffee shop. But actually, I'll fill you guys in on this. I bartered with them. I took their team out on the beer bus, so I get free coffee. So so now now it's like uh, I'm getting it for free anyway. But um, the coffee shop to me has been a game changer. I encourage, and I I like, like this is like a local, cool, trendy coffee shop, right? And by the way, I went to like 10 of them before I found the one that happens to be close to me and opens at 6.30 and just had the right vibe. So uh, other than that, though, I've I've always been into like self-help. That's the only thing I listen to. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm not cool. I'm not neurotic about it. I'm just like I just wanna, you know, be the best version of myself, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I've definitely I've never uh I've worked at like some I actually found my first OA products at a Starbucks and the, at a warehouse and I was like, I just need to get out of this warehouse and just yeah. I, I think I literally said it was like, I'm going to Starbucks. I'm not leaving until I find the first products. And sure enough, I did. And I've definitely worked at Panera's, out of Panera's because they open at 6. Yep. So I kind of like that. I'll have breakfast there. And yeah, there's just something different about it. Like, just not... Yeah, there's just a lot of distractions in your house. No matter what you are, like, I could do anything right now. Like, I'm sitting in my office. Like, right. you know, obviously we're doing this. But if I'm sitting at my desk, like, while well, I could source... I can make content. Like I'm not going to make YouTube videos in the middle of a coffee shop because it's not going to work. Right. Like there's only so many things you could do there. And it's like if you go there to source, you know, that's what you're doing. And I think there is definitely something to kind of your body. It's like, hey, like anytime I do this, this is what I do. So I'm at Panera. So that means work on Amazon. It's not bullshit on the phone. It's not, you know, you know, listen to podcasts. Like, no, this is time to work. It's time to find, you know, profitable leads, and like that's kind of how I done it in yep. the past. Yeah. What
2: I find interesting that both you guys – where you guys are both older than me, I think it is like a gap between like the new age little like solopreneur guy and then the older guy because what you're saying about the coffee shop, which maybe there's guys that do this, but the most of the guys i talk to are like me. You just wake up like hoodie on, like slam the caffeine, whatever stimulants you <laughs> need, and just like like rot in your yeah. – it's funny because – you guys are like what well, you need to get out in the real world. You need to like switch up your environment, and your environment's key. Which I feel like a lot of guys my age, it's just like head down, just grind all the time. Which I think it's probably yeah. just a generational gap between. Like I've just lived on my computer since I was a kid, and sure, you, yeah. you guys were kids. It wasn't just like scrolling Instagram and stuff. So yeah. it's just like I'm so ingrained in my new environment would be like, okay, I drink a coffee today instead of an energy drink or I take a pre-workout. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, my internal environment changing, but My yeah. dirty ass apartments always stay the same. So yeah, I think it's just like a generational like kind of gap. Cause for me, a coffee shop, I would just go there and be like, I want to be home. Like I yeah. want to get back to like my, my safe space of like grinding, but it's just, I think it has to be like a generational thing. I'd be interested here to somebody my age, what they did if they go to a coffee shop every day or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, no, that that's fair. And to be honest, I don't think I started drinking coffee till my late twenties, but I think, I think this goes back to just figure out what works for you, but don't just assume what you're doing is the optimal way to do it. See if you like sourcing in the afternoon, the night, maybe two hours here and two hours there. Maybe you like sourcing one day a week for all day and you mentally, you know, whatever, like that is one of the beauties of Amazon. It's on your schedule, you know? Um, so yeah, no, it, it's worked for me, and um, and that's come with some trial and error. And I don't think I have it exactly figured out. But again, I will say the kid dynamic. It's like, you know, I, I I can't be in the house with the kid running around. It's just, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna neglect the kid when he wants to hang out. You know what I mean? So.
2: So, what are your what are your kind of like future goals with stuff? Are you going to keep? It sounds like you like your schedule now, and I guess yeah, when you're yeah. doing the franchising thing, I'm sure that'll take up some more time if people end up doing that. What's yeah. kind of like your your three to five year outlook? I hate when people ask that question, yeah. but it's in it
0: my no, well um, it anyway. <laughs> but I'm asking it anyway. It, yeah, I'm listen. So here, I'm going to all preface. We're, we'll start to get into some life talk here, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
0: so one thing that I I love about Amazon. And it's taken me years to get to this point. John, I think we talked about this. Yeah. Next year, 2024 is going to be the first year that I'm going to pay myself properly, in sense of it's not take out what I need. It's like I'm going to um like enjoy the fruits of my labor. Not I, I live very simply on nothing like that. And I want to take that money so that I can park it into I'm, I'm bullish on real estate. I'm not like a guru or anything you want to be like the simplest way to become a millionaire is just keep buying rental properties and never sell them. You know what I mean? And, and for what it's worth, Drew, I'm not necessarily speaking to you, but to the young bucks, dude, buy a house, live in it, get some roommates, ideally Amazon roommates, you know, they pay for your living expense. They pay for your cost of living pays down the mortgage. Homes always go up in value, always. Now on the way up, they might have ups and downs, but if you don't sell, they're always going up. Two years later, you do it again, two years later. So anyway, all that to say, I've dabbled before with some flips and stuff. I just want to take the Amazon money, park it into rental properties, and that's like a financial goal, right? Um, To give you guys some numbers, I'm currently spending like 50K a month on Amazon, I've been in the 90 range for the last half a year. And I I, I feel I just paid off an Amazon loan that I don't think I'm going to take more of. So like I've always kind of struggled with wanting to continue to grow it because I have the skill set and time. But what people I don't think really understand is that when you continue and to only scale and scale and scale, yes, you're building your net worth, but it's very difficult to cash flow the way that your profit and loss statement reflects that. So for Amazon, I'm so dialed in now, if I can spend three hours a day and make for a round number, 150K profit, I'm good with that, you know, and then have time to grow the beer bus, maybe try to pull out money properly so I can buy a rental property or two with time. Um, You know, we were talking about content. Because I'm in it every day, I'm really, like, in my head, I'm like, dude, I can make a YouTube video every single day. But here's my thing. I don't have the exact reason why or what I'm going to do with it. So it's hard for me to commit that time and energy. Whereas I talk
1: about all the time? <laughs> so it, it, it's
0: a faith. It's a faith that this will pay off, right? Um, and I do believe it will. Because, like you guys, I think I provide valuable information. and I, I And I know what I'm talking about. But like, I have to have an idea of: am I going to go the course route? Am I going to go the coaching route? Is that the best use of my time? Do I want to do that because I have the knowledge and the time to do it? But then, anyway, to to go back to the life thing, truthfully, I mean this. Uh, for one, I can't see ever getting rid of Amazon. Like, I, I'm going to r- ride it until the wheels fall off. At this point, I've I've done all the hard work. Why not, right? But like I always have this underlying feeling that I'm meant for more and I don't say that for any sense of arrogance, cockiness. Um I don't know, but like at the end of the day flipping stuff on Amazon it's a great way to make money, but it's not fulfilling to me. And frankly the beer bus too. I'm very proud of myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm very proud of both. But like as I get older, again, I think uh, yeah, I think it's something as I get older and it's like I'm so in tune with how fragile life is, and where that we're only going to be here for so long, that I want to kind of start sacrificing money-making time for endeavors that really light me up and fulfill me. And by the way, naturally, that'll probably make money too, right? Um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of find that alignment of who I am, what I want, and then realizing. Some wisdom as I've gotten older, anything you do, it's going to take you five, 10 years to really see success. So you might as well. So at this point, now that I really know that I'd rather p- be patient and then head in the right direction. Obviously things change on your way. That's kind of a long winded answer. Some personal, some business C- continue to grow Am- or stick with Amazon, um, but I think I've kind of plateaued so that I can pull money out. I don't think a lot of people understand that, right? Um, And then Beer Bus continue to grow that, and then really hope to find time for like... Have you guys heard of Yes Theory or have seen their documentary Iceman Project? I have (laughs) not, no. It just really lit me up. I'm just really... The the summary is this. It's called Iceman. This guy... Did a um, tr- uh, iron, uh, iron Man in Antarctica, 30 year old dude, and he was working a normal job and he was just like, we are capable of anything. And I, I, I truly believe that. I really do. And so, and I have confidence in myself. The question is what, and what, like, what do I want to put that energy towards next? You know? Um, so anyway, that's where I'm at with kind of, but I don't have like an exact vision, you know? just continue to make good decisions. I live simply make more than we live than we need and invest them into some appreciating assets.
2: I love to hear that perspective. I think it's, it's interesting. You've got like, we're all kind of at the same type of spot doing Amazon for a long time. And something you said there about it being not that fulfilling to you or whatever that, and I found the same thing. So the last few months I've kind of, I went viral online and then opened an, like another coaching program, brought in some good money from that and taught all this Amazon. And then I've done Amazon for every single day since I've got out of college. And I've just realized that like, I feel like I'm meant for more as well, like not in a cocky way or whatever, but yeah. that's how I've always felt. And it's like, do I want to be like reselling sneakers and you know, whatever for the rest of my life. Like, I don't see that being congruent with what I see myself in 10 years. So why am I even doing it now? And me making whatever it is per month and not even paying myself that much money. So it could all evaporate at any moment. If something went wrong, I just started thinking, what am I going to do in the future? And and I've wound down on Amazon a lot in the last few months. Like I I was on pace to do two, two and a half million, whatever it is on these podcasts, people would always say on pace for 3 million, two and a half million, but not even close is what I hit this year. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. close to that number. And it's really because I just didn't feel that that was going to make me any more fulfilled than what I was at now. And I just, going to wipe out a lot of the stuff and see the money I've made from Amazon, see where I'm at, and then reevaluate next year. Because I don't think you get in the game of social media, of looking online, looking at all these guys that I, this guy's doing 250K a month and he's 19 years old and all this stuff. But it's like, well, at the end of the day, like, what are you doing it for? You know, what, what is the what is the deep meaning of it? Yeah. I think a lot of people will struggle that when they've been in it long, like a long time, because you realize – For one, it's not making you, like, buku's of money. You're just making, like, a pretty good amount of money. You don't have any equity in the business, and you're not providing any value to the world. So, like, you're – honestly, you're probably providing less value because a lot of these people are overpaying for products. Like, it's just a weird – weird thing on you mentally, I've felt the last like few months, and I don't ever see that sentiment shared online. And I feel like it's extremely important, because when you get people aged into the game, as long as they're not trying to like sling a course down your throat, that's usually where they end up. It's like, yeah. damn, what is all this
0: for? Like, where do I go next? Yeah, you know, and and just to, um, uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, I will say this. Um, the fact of the matter is, money is essential in the world that we live in. So if you have to make it somewhere, I think I think it's a, it, it provides a pretty good lifestyle and opportunity. But like you said, because I have the bus and I have this right, it's very clear to me, and I, I've tried to make a point to share this on multiple occasions. Amazon, the way I see it, talk about a spectrum job and business. It's definitely more on the side of a job, despite it having to be a business. Because nobody is buying, there's no equity to be built, and that's why I do think it's smart to do things like courses, coaching. Like, there's no, no shame in that. If you have the experience, I'd rather make a hundred k a year and teach fifty people how to make ten k a year, right? Than spend all that time doubling my income that way because. It's just for for my sense, I can make more money doing that way. That's why, like, all these people that push, like, I think, like anything, there's good ways and bad ways and ethical and unethical in every genre. Every person, there's good and bad of every subset of life. But, like, I have no knock on anybody that's experienced and knows what they're doing trying to supplement their business. Because the only way to grow and make more money is to spend more money or to drastically increase your margins so like, because it's such a cash intensive thing, I fault nobody. And by the way, one of these days, I'm going to figure out what's right for me because I know if if people are going to provide info, I might as well be one to provide it too. I've talked to both of you about this before as well, and I fully plan on it. But yeah, so like, I don't, like you said too, though, Drew, like, I don't want to say that it's like an uh, above then or better than. I think it's a great way to get your feet wet with entrepreneurship a great way to make money. I'm not stopping anytime soon, but it's just not like I'm not going to bed at night being like, "Damn, I I made a difference.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, yeah, 100%. I 100% agree with you there too. And that's kind of like, but kind of how this podcast even started. It was more like, we always talk about Amazon and we're like, Oh man, it'd be great to do something. Like we both really care about this and want to get like the word out about like what selling on Amazon really is. And Drew has really opened my eyes to kind of like what he's been doing on Instagram, on TikTok, and just kind of showing me what he's doing and just following some of the pages. I'm like, wow. Like th- and just kind of how he plans to monetize them. It really has me thinking about, you know, I totally turned the Amazon business around this year. Got out of an apparel and it was like a great year considering like i didn't sell any apparel like the second half of the year and just kind of thinking about what i want to do next year and i think you bring up a good point there becomes like a point in time where i think it's more how much money you leverage i think at a time like i think for me i'm not really going to want to spend more than 50k a month right outside of q4 next year. Like I'm basically going to go on coast mode and be looking at other opportunities rather than doubling down or trying to triple the business or yeah, maybe look into doing some coaching or stuff like that. And I think it's just a really hard thing to wrap your head around um, because there's so much hate around coaching or courses or discords and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, you're just doing this because, you know, you can't sell on it. Just like all this stuff that surrounds it. And I know that's not the case and it doesn't really bother me. But at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest disservices out there is kind of there's no hard numbers or no hard lines. Like we've seen the shift where it went from orange bars to now people are doing seller board and that the next thing, who knows? The next thing is gonna have to be like QuickBooks or something, but I yeah. doubt anyone will do that. But we were talking about before this, it's like I understand, like, there's people doing these big numbers or whatever, and I'm not gonna say that they're really how much or how little they're making, like, I don't know, because I could be totally wrong. But we were talking before this, and it's just like, unless you have an accountant who's really doing all this for you, you have no idea how much you're making. Yeah. Like, at all. Like, seller board's great, inventory labs is great, but you have an account and it's like, hey, like, this is what the number is, but this is how much money you have tied up in inventory, this is how much stuff is lost, like, this, is- yeah. here's a fee, there's a fee, you're like, where's all this money? And they're like, well, it's an inventory, half of it's a transfer, and so, like, at the end of the day, once you, like, minus all this stuff out, you're like, huh, okay. It's not as much yeah. as I thought. It's still very good money, right. but... Most people are not making the twenty-five k a month, the ten k a month they're thinking they're making.
0: Yeah, and 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 some of the some people are making way less than they think without knowing it, and some people yeah. are ma- making way less than they try to give off to be knowing it. Neither of which I really care because it's not it doesn't affect me one way or the other. But like now that I'm so in tune with what I do and and I'm. S- I don't think there's too many people doing ROA that are more selective in what they buy than me. And I know what I make. Realistically, when it's all said and done, 15% after expenses and everything is very realistic, right? So that means if I show you orange bars of 100K k month, that means my profit is 15. And that doesn't mean my bank account gets 15 because I have bazooka tied up in inventory, right? And yeah. so... So that's like honest, honest numbers, right? And and um, and so many people are using Amazon loans and stuff. Which, by the way, I'm I'm a proponent of if you know what you're doing. But like seven grand off the top goes to paying them back, right? Or whatever it is every month. So it's, it, it you know, I, I think it just comes down to everybody knows as a human being what your intention is. If it's to share the journey, to give yourself credibility because you know what you're doing hats off to you if you know you're just trying to like get bs views and trick a young kid that's trying to like get his feet wet like you're a scumbag you know (laughs) and and at the end of the day i think intentionality matters so much and we all know uh what we're truly doing behind closed doors you know what i mean and um but one thing i before i forget john you were talking about like spending 50k because because that's like where i'm at I do think for, I do think something's really valuable about putting all your time, energy focus into like, if you're going to do Amazon, for instance, up to the spending limit that you're comfortable and then, and then saying enough. And then, so now I have that skill set. It takes me a fraction of the time to achieve the same results. Now, on top of that content, course, coaching, whatever, you know what I mean? By no means do I have it all figured out. By no means is there a one size fits all. But, like, for anybody listening, my point is this. Like, just get good at Amazon, then worry about the next layer, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, go for it. And another thing, um, which we talked about this in the last podcast we recorded, it, we were supposed to talk about, like, how to make 10K on Amazon. And it went down this whole coaching and info, like, rabbit hole. Because when I started all this stuff, I was just this guy on Twitter that hated on these gurus for, like, selling. <laughs> That's and right. Stuff. And, th- and then I learned, like, Later on, the, I, I was really kind of sighed out by the old weird guys on Twitter that just don't know anything about business, I guess, that just hate on all these – like in every other business, there's coaches. It, in right. Your youth basketball has a coach. Is that guy like a fraud? I saw that tweet yesterday. Yeah. Like Somebody said, is the youth sports coach a fraud? Like no, he's just teaching what he knows. It, it's really weird that Amazon gets this knock on it of, well, if you're a coach and you just don't know how to do it, or if you're coaching, and you're just like deceiving people because – that's really not the case. There's copywriting coaches, there's sales coaching. Like you could coach me how to make a beer tour company. Like what right. does, that, does that mean? You know, that's just a normal thing people do for some reason in Amazon, it gets this weird knock on it. And I've talked to both of you guys about this in private too, about how like, just do whatever, like who cares what yeah. these people think? Cause it's just all this conception. It's just a really weird part of the internet. Like we're such a small community and these guys are in my mind, I think they're very weird and they're very small minded and I would never hang out with them in real life. But those are the type of people I see that that say that weird stuff and hate on these guys. Like, yeah, I don't want to be like that. And i found myself going down that hole at the beginning, but it's just, it's just a crazy weird thing to do. Like a hater, you're just a
0: hater. I think, I think what happens is people like to give themselves a reason why they're not taking action. And so if you tell yourself this is a scam or these people are icky, whatever you want to call it, It gives yourself a built-in BS excuse to not take action. Now, I will say this. I kind of mentioned this earlier. Whether it be Amazon, whether it be sports, whether it be anything, your local bakery, like there is good and bad people, well-intentioned and ill-intentioned people on every single walk of life. But I truly believe that like the authentic and the good people people sense that out like i got to be honest it blows it blows my mind that somebody would ever buy a course from somebody that's like i don't know doing some stereotypical guru stuff like i can sniff it from from a mile away right and now that we know amazon that's why i'm like i have i'm not going to just throw a blanket statement and hate on coaching cuz frankly i think i'll get into that one day but There's, there's the right way and wrong way to do it. And ultimately though, like any other business, the market, the market determines what's good and what's not good. If you don't provide value, word will get out. And you know what I mean? So like you might get people once and it might make, it could make you a lot of money if you have a big audience, but like you have to live with that. And the longevity of it is probably not there. Contrarily, you don't, you don't need you don't need ten thousand people to buy your stuff to to make some good money. I'm sure you you know you're doing the coaching and stuff, Drew. I'm sure you can attest to that. You have, you have like a diehard hundred, probably do really well. Yeah, hundred percent. I think what happens is I used to think that the the people that would push
2: the coaching like down your throat type of stuff, would, it was bad intention. But I think. The older I get, maybe I'm off on this, but this is how I see it. I think a lot of these guys are younger kids, which I'm 25. I I'm guess I'm like kind of in that, but I think they get blood drunk. Like they've never had money. They've never had yep. attention. They've never had girls. They never had anything. And then when they get this attention and this social media attention, this money, it just like fuels. It's like a blood drunk type of thing. Like they just go yep. on a spree of just all the guru stuff, all the money, like fuck this person over. Who cares? And it's not that they're, I don't think they're all bad intention. I think it just comes from probably like a deep place of insecurity. And that's their, that's how they cope with that insecurity. And I don't think many people say it like that, but I think that's what I see. And I know a lot of these guys behind closed doors. And that's what I see out of a lot of them. Like, it's just, I I, I was in a frat in college. I did all that stuff. Money wasn't the biggest thing that drove me to my success there. You know, it was just different. So I don't care. The money doesn't change me and make me more like I have to chase more I have to chase more I have to fuck people over to get more that's just kind of how I've went through. but I don't think a lot of kids have that perspective because they just came from their little hometown where they were nothing and now they made something and now it's like I, I have to keep going or I'm gonna lose it all and I'm gonna turn into that kid I was before
0: yeah and and by the way I can't tell you what I would or wouldn't do if I was a 21 22 year old in that position because I'm not right um, but like when I started with content, I kind of like just had a simple talk with myself. Like, what am I trying to achieve? What are my non-negotiables, et cetera. And what am I, what do, what do I personally feel good about? And like, there's no one right or wrong way, but I think for all of us, it's like, you know, you, we're all different. Like you have to be honest with yourself, but you know, we were taught, we mentioned it earlier, but like, yeah, that's one of my biggest things because content takes time. It takes a lot of time, right? There's planning, there's, there's filming, there's writing, there's editing Uh, you know, and it's like, it's like, it, it's, it's in hopes of something one day. And actually it's funny. Cause like I did it earlier on in my journey being like, Oh, I'll get to monetize this somehow, some way then Amazon comes along and I'm like, you know, if I just put more attention into Amazon, I'd probably make more money than I ever could selling something else. But now, full circle it's like we were just talking about i kind of hit a plateau where i'm comfortable spending so it's like well why not put more attention into this you know so just to give you like some different like perspectives of the circle i've been through Yeah, and the i was just telling john before this i
2: saw a tweet yesterday about um the longer you can stomach float of no capital and no dopamine and this type of stuff, it's like directly proportional with how much money you're going to make and yeah. content so much like that. It's just you, you keep posting content over and over and you make nothing from it because you're not selling anything. So it's just your ability to just fire stuff off into the ether and just not fail, but do nothing with it and then just hope that one day something comes out of it. Yeah, and I think that's a tough thing to stay consistent with because it's like, I'm getting no return on anything I'm doing right now. I'm yeah. just getting like this many views. And if something flops, you're like, I'm an idiot. This content sucks. It just, yep. it's like, a, it's a tough thing to do. But the longer you can stomach that at the end of the day, you're just going to become massively more successful than the person that's going to quit because they
0: can't stomach that. I, I I, agree. You know who I think does a really nice job um, it, or my hat's off to their consistency. And I've told him this many times is Joe um, Parfenuk, whatever his last name is. He's yeah. just consistent with it. And like, I've had talks with him and like, you know, he's playing a long-term game and um, I don't know him that well, but like I can respect anyone doing that. Yeah. So for me, I think my thing is like YouTube. Cause I also think about if you get to a certain size, you can actually make decent money on AdSense, not like life-changing money. And that kind of becomes passive in the sense of once it's there, it continues to just grow. And our, our line of Amazon actually pays really well relative to other categories. In AdSense, and even from other stuff, I've, I'm starting to see like affiliate links and stuff like that. Um, so, my thing is, like, I just need to find a way to streamline it. Like, you know, find a VA, try to post a video a day. Again, because I'm in the trenches and do it, I have evergreen content, and a lot of people don't like making videos. So, that that narrows down your competition. And then from there, very, very aligned with what you just said, Drew. But, like, I just have this. Un- this I do have this belief that like you just keep do, putting out valuable information over a long enough period of time, being consistent, opportunities will present themselves. You might you might not know what they are now, but um, you know they certainly will present themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And yeah, it's always hard too. I feel like that's one of the th- underestimated things. And I've seen a lot of people come and go <clears throat> since I started this, just on Instagram or youtube or twitter it's it's a lot of work to do the content or youtube or really anything especially if you want it to be good and i think that is one of one of my favorite parts about it is you just got to kind of figure out what works for you and whether that's sharing the journey or sharing sourcing tips um and just kind of knowing what the line is for you like, I know my this channel can get a lot more views if I did certain things or made certain types of content, but I don't necessarily want to make that content just because right. I don't think that's the best for the community or whatever. And a lot of other people make that content and it's just like, it is what it is. Um, so kind of knowing that line for yourself. And then, yeah, like you said, I feel like that has been a real big struggle for me. Um, it's like, what do you, like, just putting content out there sharing the journey trying to be helpful and yeah one day like i don't know what it's going to be but like yeah maybe it will i will offer something or not but it is really hard to do just kind of put in that effort and put it out there and then in one day hope that it pays off yeah but i definitely think just continue to put it out there and as long as people continue to find it helpful just continue to make it and then yeah like figure it out later
0: it's it's all. Good. It, go it's also one of the reasons I really really do like sourcing in the morning because again you know if nothing else you you've mm-hmm. done your money generating activity so if I make a piece of content later that takes me an hour at least I'm, I'm not itching being like I gotta get I haven't made anything today you know what I mean yeah. it's like get that out of the way I, I talking about going back to the productivity thing you, I, I have seen a common theme and that is basically your deep work, your really high priority stuff in the morning, your admin stuff come afternoon because you just don't have at least for me i don't I'm not as sharp come three p m when I'm up since five thirty right, but yeah. like sending an email or repricing at three o'clock i can my I, I can I can do that mentally you yeah. know what I mean yeah, I, I think on the
2: content stuff too, a part of that is i I don't know where I saw this at, but like how many people do you know in real life that have personal brands? Like it feels so saturated online because like yeah. you have one like I'm like yeah. competing with you too, you know like that's like I've sure. seen so people right now, but in real life, the cars driving by you on the street, they don't have personal like they, nobody yeah. knows any of these, so we're so early to this that if you stay consistent with putting out content on these platforms and and not only that, but also evaluating your stuff i'm really big on I want to see growth at least content's fun because it's a marketplace and it's very brutally honest. If your stuff's yeah. not good, it won't get views. And if it's good, it gets views. It's just, there's no other way to put it. So uh, I think that's a really cool, I feel like we're so early on that that in 10 years, like that's what all the kids want to be. They want to be YouTubers and Instagram yeah. famous and, it's like, we're just these older guys that are already, you know, making this kind of mark with all this stuff. And I think it'll only benefit because people will just keep coming online. There'll be more and more kids that don't want to go to college. They want to go online to get their info. They'll get put in your funnel and they'll get your stuff. And then you'll change lives like that. If that's the way you want to do it, you'll make money like that. If that's the way you want, like whatever it is. Yeah. So I think it's just really early and to, to see that long-term vision and to understand that no one around you has any kind of presence on the internet is just so much bigger than I think people like making out to be.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. I agree. I mean, you hear that all the time. I mean, I I do agree. We're all essentially untapped personal brands. You know, I I will say, um, you know, I I totally hear that all the time about the youth wanting to be. You know, I would say this. I think I think what we really need to peel back and really ask is, what is it is. It, they haven't really had a taste of what it's like to be a creator, so really, they're probably at a point they want. What they assume to come from being a creator maybe more than being a creator attention they probably think it's wealth, right yeah. but if there's one thing that I've come to realize is consistency is so hard for humans that like the average podcast you know uh myself guilty of this over the years too like I think I think you're in the top ten percent if you make it to like episode five or something incredibly low you know what i mean so so um'. To, well, uh, let's, let's, go, let's go no I, so, but it is, it is interesting it's a very different time i think it's very viable and i think i think people need to um kind of have a i mean you just got to start but also like like you're like you guys are sharp guys too but you know if you just make it for the nothing else but for the sake of vanity like you're going to event the, the best game you can win is now having to perform constantly to to make yourself feel good about that whereas and if you say my goal is to uh, you know grow this type of niche or do this because i'm into this whatever and like you know what if likes go down and i want to pivot whatever like i'm not i'm not the uh what is it called jester and king the i don't know where you have to basically the perform for them just to make sure that you feel good about the quantity of likes you know what i mean? So. but but I think that with that said there's tremendous opportunity for the people that know what they're doing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, maybe
2: 100%. Yeah, I think another thing that people don't really understand about the whole like long-term career, the consistency thing is the only way that you're going to make it long-term. And and you'll see other people that'll blow up in 2 months on social media. You'll see people that it takes them 2 years or 5 years. And that's just like a, a thing that happens. If you're a yeah. hot chick online that does Amazon, I'm sure you'll become one of the biggest people in the space very quickly. Because yeah. there's no hot chicks like <laughs> that are outwardly doing Amazon. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. You know? Like not that I know of. So. some people have gifts and some people have different gifts. Like when I came on the scene, people just thought I was really real and I kept all this stuff real. And I'm like, how weird is that? There's guys doing way more numbers than me or whatever it is, but I just have this different type of thing. So you have to kind of find what your thing is as well. And then whatever Avenue, you know, make sure that you show who you really are. I think a lot of people miss that too, of just putting out the kind of guru content, like, Dude, I don't care how many captions and b-rolls you put behind your shit. Like no one wants to see it if there's not any value there. Like yeah. I, I can't, I'll, I'll just raw dog a video right in front of the screen and I guarantee it does better than that stuff every time. 100%, because-
0: 100% dude. I mean, I couldn't agree with that more like yeah. if you want to if you want to play the game, you can lit- you can literally have a b-roll of you making a turkey sandwich and putting <laughs> putting some Amazon content but like but like if that grows your audience that's, that's not going to translate to monetization anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then I don't even feel proud about that. So like, I'm um, again, not knocking it, but like, rather than trying to, yes, it's business. You have to play the game a little, but like what you said, if you, if you, if you put your phone up right in front of you and you drop some just straight game that the people in the Amazon world are going to respond to that. It's going to be shared all the important metrics that make that be seen more like you know shares and uh saves and stuff like that way more than a b roll with just no value right it might get more views but long term long term that's not winning you know and you At least it, i think winning.
1: that's what also makes it so unique and interesting like everyone's always like well like how do you break out or how do you I don't know, stick out. Cause we're, we all sell on Amazon, right? right? So we're all doing the same thing. Like we're buying stuff for low and selling it for high. Like on the paper, that's what we're doing, but we all have very different strategies for doing that. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short on the content. Like you were saying, so, well, you can make a turkey sandwich or whatever, but it's like, well, maybe we all make turkey sandwiches differently. And like, you know how to get one more crunchier than, I yeah. do, and someone in the audience likes it more crunchy or whatever. And as dumb as that sounds, like you just walk to the toaster or whatever. Yeah. Well, that person like related to that more, or they were wondering how to do that and didn't think to use a toaster or whatever. Like it's a stupid example. But I think that's like a lot of people are afraid to maybe share. But it's like if you just would share your journey, yeah. and, like what you're doing or how you're doing something. So I think there's all, we all use keep, Keepa but like we all have our little favorite filters or favorite this or favorite that. And so, yeah, it's not just all saturated because there's different little pieces to it. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest takeaways for me with creating content is like, if you're just yourself, like eventually you'll figure out that niche and kind of, it's not really so much. Some of it is tactics But I think eventually if you just keep showing up, eventually you'll kind of find your way.
0: I mean, a great example, Hormozy blew up in his closet, right? Because he provides so much valuable information. And for anybody not familiar, this Alex Hormozy used to make videos literally in his closet with no technical gear. And he blew up because the value, the information is so valuable. Now he's an outlier. He's a freak of nature, incredibly intelligent, successful, but, um, but yeah, so, and listen t- to each their own, but I think one of the best things you can do is lean into who you are, because that's something that nobody can call you out for and that everybody can resonate with is authenticity. Like auth- i I will die on that hill. Authenticity will, will take and consistency will take you pretty far. Very far. That a perfect
2: example of this. And I keep talking about this guy like everywhere I go is Sam Sulik, the guy, have you heard about this guy, a yeah, bodybuilder on YouTube? So like back in the summer, my friend came over and showed me this guy had 400,000 YouTube subscribers in like three months. Now he has 2.5 million and he's this – he's just all of bodybuilding and fitness on YouTube. This guy is just the hottest thing possible and he just posts 40-minute long videos every day with no edits, like just cuts of him in his car at the gym, showing off his physique and then back in his car. Same thing every single day, doesn't miss a day and that guy's just exploded because you can just see – it's like when you're watching his stuff, he's your friend. Like even if you're not into bodybuilding and fitness, if you watch one of his videos, you'll just think, Oh, this is like one of my friends talking to me. You can tell how passionate he is about the bodybuilding. He's knowledgeable about knowledgeable about it, stuff like that. It's just like a path to success of consistency and being yourself and, and putting out like what you know out there and believing in it, conviction as well. It's another part of that whole yeah.
0: equation. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm 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 so bullish on consistency winning, like like it's so simple, right? But why is it so hard for all of us, you know, and it, uh, us as humans, like, but it's, you know what you got to do, right? Like we all know what we need to do to get what we want, but it's hard.
1: I think it's always, you're always looking for like an easier way or an efficient way. Or I also think too, it's, it's very different to know both of you and kind of when, either, like, I know Jonathan's like, oh, I source three hours a day. Like, I know what he's doing and kind of what goes into that. I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, source three hours a day. But, like, what does that mean? Like, I feel like a lot of people think that means, you know, go to Kohl's or go to Walt. Like, no, 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 no. no. Right, like, right, that's, right. that's a, yeah, that is sourcing, but that's a different type of sourcing. That's yeah. a different level of sourcing. And I think when you're consistently kind of, doing what you need to do and eventually yeah when you go to Walmart or Kohl's or eventually you start knocking that stuff out then yeah eventually maybe you get kind of deeper into different types of sourcing but I do think that's one of the hardest parts is I see Jonathan say oh I only source two hours a day I'm, I'm like oh like I wonder what he's doing it's probably more efficient. so instead of me just sourcing how I'm doing it and like having success with that i'm chasing what jonathan's doing i don't know what he's doing and i could just assume and but if i already have something that's working like i should just stick with that and be consistent with that and then it can morph into that talking about that kind of how do you source if you want to get into that
0: yeah it's funny because like there's not a one size fits all i i think the biggest thing i i just want to point out here is like I probably like you guys, like anyone that's been doing this for a while and has had success was doing the simplest of things, right? It started off walking into a store RA. It took me five stores to get a winning product. And then I was off to the, you know, then I was like, okay, one winning product here. That means there's more, I'm going to scan all of the products here. Right. And so
1: I think that's a crazy point though. Like On paper, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you went to five stores. Yeah. There's probably somebody who went to one Target. It's like, there's nothing in this Target. They scanned, like, five things. But, like, you had the initial, you're like, or who knows? Maybe your head is like, I'm only going to go to five stores if I don't find something in five stores. Like, I'm not doing this. But I think that speaks to, like, what this actually is. It's going to five stores and finding nothing, but being willing to go to the sixth store to find one thing. Right. But you're like, oh, man, if I found this (laughs) one thing, if I go to another six stores, then who knows, maybe I'll have five things. But I think you have to wrap your head around that. Yeah,
0: no, I just I think for me at the early stages, I was seeing all these people online and I was like, there's enough. I can sift through the BS. There's enough here. This conceptually makes sense. I'm going to find it. You know what I mean? But it's a very, very small. It's a it's a slow snowball. But now I have had so many Keepa charts. I have sold so many products. I am constantly sending in new products that, oh gosh, like, it's so hard to answer that. I know what I do, but like, I don't ever like really just think about it. It's like, it's so natural, like right? It's like, oh, I just sent something in. It's, it's a weird keep a chart. I sold three the first day. I got to go find 30 of these, right? But like now at my journey, that could happen five times a day, you know? Um, there's always uh, a site that has a certain sale maybe going on that it's like, you know, uh, I will say this. So I, I just have this belief that like, if you have 100 products, probably at any given time, 10 of them will do really well. So once you build that to 200, then it's 20, 330, right? So on and so forth. And by the way, those other 90 that aren't good right then, they'll have their time too if you're doing the filters right. So, like, there's truly not a one size fits all. Like, um, but like, I will say this if I'm ever stagnant and I'm at a point I don't know what to do, keep a product finder to me, it's the move. Like, out of stock searches on brands, um, no sales rank, no sales rank, and out of stock, decreasing seller count, increasing buy box. Like if you become proficient and keep a product finder, you should never have a day that you can't find winning products. And to get proficient doesn't take that long. What what really is the point is now I'm just reaping the benefits of years of data. I mean, how many Keepa charts have I seen that and how many brands and buys that I've made that now something that used to be on a sale and I bought eight of and I've gone through that sale two years in a row this year i'm buying 50, right? You know what i mean? It's those type of things that you can't expedite that. You have to just put in reps, and that's where i'm at. It's just reps. I'm not doing so much different than i think i was 6 months ago, a year ago. It's just i have so many more products, so many more charts, so much more confidence and conviction in my decision making that i'm going to i'm going to tangent here, but i would also say like to anyone I would so, so strongly encourage people to become an expert in a few brands than to be good at a lot because now like there's certain brands, I know every item in their catalog. I know when nationwide the, 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 the um, stock is going down, even if the average person couldn't tell, I know that even if a worst case scenario, I'm still making X amount, right? And you, and so like what I would say first, you have to go wide, but once you get a taste, if a certain brand wins for you on five products, that's a brand worth becoming an expert in. And that means becoming an expert in every product they make in maybe five sites that carry them. Right. And like, that's what I've done, but, but I bet a good chunk, if I had to guess comes from five, six brands. Like, so I'm just like, I'm so locked in on those brands though, that I'm an expert and so I can buy a 100 when I know the time's right and I know my best and worst case scenario and stuff like that. So like I said, rambling, but like it really boils down to I've put in the reps, I've paid my dues, and now it's just like there's never a day, never a day I can't spend a couple grand if I have the time to do it. Sounds
2: like you watched that
0: video I just made, John. <laughs> <laughs> I just sent him a
2: video. I made it for Twitter and that's basically you just summed up the video. That's... I break down a little thing of like sourcing, and that is that's the method. There is get become an expert in a few brands, try to stay away from stuff everyone's doing. That's another large part of it. And then just if you become an expert, you know when stocks going down, that type of stuff. It's just there's no way you don't win because you just have such an advantage over everybody else, and you have to have some type of competitive advantage here. You can't just do what everybody else is doing because we're all competing on only one thing, and that's price. So there has to be
0: something that you do different to get us lower price than other people. Yep. Totally. And, and also like another thing that's not just from uh, a knowledge in that you don't have, once you become really good in certain brands, you don't have to worry unless it's unforeseen about the IP BS, right? Right. It's like, I've been selling this stuff for years. I don't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah, like, um, but I will say just to reiterate in order to get, become an expert at a handful, you have to try hundreds, you know, but once you start getting a taste I always say like adjacent you know, I never find one product from a winning site, never one product from a sale. There's always more, you know? So once you get a taste, go hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big proponent too. And I know we talk about all the time is like the idea of test buying. And like Drew talked about that in his video too. And I think a lot of people would say, Oh, like, you know, everything tanks for this and that. It's like, I don't care, cause like I'm not going deep in a lot of stuff. If I'm buying ten to something, obviously there's a place and time. Like just Q4, I've bought multiple hundreds of one a's in, but again, there is a place and time for that. But usually during the year, I'm not going super super deep unless there's I have knowledge of a sale, or I mean I talk to Jonathan and he's like, hey, or Drew, like hey, I've sold this before. Like this is what happened last year. There's no guarantee that it happened this year. Right. But there's just more context on it. I'm like, okay, like I'm good with this. And I think that's where a lot of people, in my opinion, fall short, is they see us or I mean that's gonna sound bad or whatever, but they're like, Oh, like they must have a secret. Like what are they doing or how yeah. are they successful? And it's just basically like we just like threw our heads against the wall and like tried stuff out yeah. and test bought and I mean, some of the keep it charts and stuff, or Asin's Amon, no one would ever buy it if you go by conventional wisdom, Right. because it doesn't look like it sells. It doesn't have a rank, it, or the rank is really bad, but it sells a ton, and the keep it chart's not reflecting that either. And I, that's why I think test buying is so underrated. And it's like you're literally, you if you're not willing to put up a hundred, two hundred bucks to find out if you can move five to ten of these. You're at a huge disadvantage because there's been listings this year where I did that and I've lost money, but there's also been ones where I've made thousands and thousands of dollars and it way outweighs that. And everyone's like, Oh, yep. like, when should you test buy? Like, just do it. Like you literally have nothing to lose. Like, worst case scenario, maybe you lose five or ten bucks in ASIN. If you only have ten of them, fifty to a hundred bucks. I'm not about wasting money or something like that, but I look at it as research experimentation as an investment in the future. If you're having trouble wrapping your head around that, like maybe look at it that way. Like you're not wasting money. You're trying to figure something out. Um, So that's kind of how I look at stuff like that.
0: You're buying information. It's a numbers game. And I don't think this ever gets talked about. Actually, I was thinking about if I were to ask anybody who I respect as a seller, anybody, anybody, I am thinking about myself. I would imagine that 10, 15% of my products at any given time I'm selling for a break-even or a very tiny loss. And I'm fine with that. I truly don't care because at the time I made the best calculated decision I could. Things will change. Sometimes you take a chance on a risky thing. Sometimes you think, hey, the upside's there if my stuff gets checked in quickly, you know, but like that's just that's just part of the game. And John, I know because we've talked. For anybody listening, like something, a very simple way to do it, I like to weigh my worst case and best case. And if you really don't know Keepa, worst case scenario would be what is the lowest this has ever sold for in the last year, right? That's like a true worst case. And you can look at just like what the buy box was just without getting too in-depth, right? And if you're okay with the downside being I lose five bucks on 20 units, but if if I read this right, I'm making 20 bucks on a unit, I'm taking that risk reward all day. And by the way, there will be times you can do everything right, read it perfectly. There's unforeseen things that will happen. The longer you do this and the more products you have, each one means less and less to you. So it's not a big deal. It is literally just part of the game. Get your cash back and your rewards, make a couple bucks if you break even. But like, that's just that is part of the game. And that provides valuable information. Yeah. It, to parlay off that a
2: little bit, I, I have like an equation that I teach people a lot about like coaching people on that exact thing of like your downside and your upside. And mine is, let's say a product that the worst case in the keep it chart is negative 20%. You want to look for a three X multiple on the upside. That's what I try right. to look for. So a 60% ROI yep. upside. And then if it falls somewhere in the middle, you're good. But that, that's what I try to like. That's the, the minimum of stuff I kind of look for there. And I, that there's no data behind that. And there's probably, if you extrapolate it down, maybe that does make a lot of sense, but that's just what I've always went for. And I never end up losing like a significant amount of money. Cause I'm either playing with a minus 10, 30% upside or like a, a 0% or whatever. Like I try to play around that area. So my test buys are very calculated, even if it's completely yeah. random item all, in, all together.
0: Totally. And by the way, if, if the seller counts skyrocketing and prices tanking, like I can't expect to do anything beyond the worst case scenario. Like you shouldn't even be buying it. But I understand there's times you don't fully understand Keepa, right? Yeah, so right. that's just like a nice safety net. And actually, it's funny, I, I was thinking about, I, I was thinking about that recently, because, you know, wh- sometimes if something costs me $5, and I can make $10 if, if I catch it, right? But I I really can't lose I'm I'll go 100 deep no problem like especially if I know it's moving but like it's you get in trouble when you spend $40 on something and then it's not as fast a mover as you thought and the downside is there and the up the upside is I bought 100 of a $40 item that my best case scenario is making 10 bucks profit right that's where you get in trouble cuz you're not creating right. enough cushion for the inevitable things go wrong right cuz things will go wrong the All
2: perfect the example of that is q4 toys like everyone yeah. thinks that they're going to bet on these toys and then make yeah. this money and that's like you just laid out that scenario it yep. the toys the betting on toys for q4 is so stupid like your upside is 30 40 exactly. percent absolute best case scenario and your downside is minus like 70 percent so that that bet is so non-asymmetrical that's like the opposite of what I my equation of you just taking a massive downside for no upside so yep. you have to the toy stuff, that's just a – I see people talk about that one all the time. People want to do that because it looks so – well, it sold out last year and it's going to look good. You can't play that game because your downside will wreck all your upsides. And if you if you take enough 70% and 60% yeah. losses, you're not even making money. Yeah, like You're losing no. money, especially because those losses are going to get returned. So that's another huge percentage of loss you take. Yep. It's just if you don't play that right and know your numbers like that and know going into it, what you expect is going to happen in your worst case better not be that bad – you're just getting up around a break, even an unprofitable business.
0: This is kind of funny, but you know, when I really thought of this as like a real life uh, metaphor, I was Thanksgiving shopping, right? And um, I was doing grocery shopping. I was like, I was buying potatoes and potatoes are dirt cheap. So I was like, you know what? I'll buy two bags. Cause if we have too many, I know they're going to be eaten. Right. And it's not going to put a hole in my pocket. My worst case scenario is very minimal. Contrarily, I'm not gonna buy 10 extra pounds of beef tenderloin. I'm gonna try to gauge it exactly because I mean, I would eat it all, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like it's a very high, it's a high risk, low reward type of thing versus potatoes. People love potatoes. They're gonna buy them. People can be very happy with potatoes. So like I'll spend an extra 99 cents a pound and if I have too many, so be it. You know what I mean? You know, just as like a fun real life example, I literally had a light bulb moment. I was like, this is just like Amazon. When it's high high reward, low risk, you, you triple down. When it's low reward, high risk, I'm not saying not to get it sometimes, but like you don't have to go as deep. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like where a lot of people get caught too is like you're talking about is like you take I feel like some for some reason I've thought this when I was starting. It's like that sellers that were further ahead of me were taking these risks because you'll hear every once in a while, oh yeah, you could take ten percent, like you're compounding it, this or that. I'm like this is exactly what this person is doing. Yeah. Like they're taking, they have the opportunity to make you know twenty dollars on this ten percent ROI thing. Like they were talking about this, and before you know it, everyone gets on, and now you're study you're making. You're looking at losing twenty dollars on this and it's just a total mindset like shift is that I feel like no one thinks about the upside-downside and kind of what and I've been on buys this year where I've doubled down and I lost all the gains because I misplayed it or other people caught on and it was just like, damn, like you should have just been happy with what you were able to get and then kind of move on with it. And I think it also goes towards laziness, right? Like, who wouldn't want to, of course, I want to buy 100 of an ASIN because that means I have to buy less of something else. But it also puts my business at a massive risk to carry, you know, just to have, like, maybe 10 horses in the race instead of having 100, right? I have a better chance. Obviously, there's, at, at a given time, like, there are definitely ASINs that totally drive my business, but I always need to have potentials in the mix and always be test buying and trying new things
0: if i if i the few times i buy a 100 or just as a large quantity i am so confident in it the only thing that would get in the way is essentially amazon removing the listing which could happen but like if i'm getting to that point because not only you're spot on i think people that aren't quite there sourcing it's like a 100 items these look good i can hit my spending budget i'm good like i could be done right but also think of talk about compounding. Not only are you diversifying if you buy ten different items, ten different units of each. Now you're going to get feedback on ten items. So like if six of them are good, now you can double down on six, not just bet bet the house on one, which like in the me. short in the short term might be an advantage. But if I have knowledge on ten brands now, or like you know over the course of a year, hundred and twenty, you know. Like that's going to versus 12 long-term that's going to win all day. You know what I mean? So it also makes you a better sourcer because now you have to say, I'm not, I'm not allowing myself to put the, put the, you know, bet the house unless that right time calls for it, which it does. Um, I'm going, even if I think it's right, I'm going to spread this out because I understand I could be wrong, you know, and that's, and that's going to force you to find more better products.
2: Yeah, very important as well, because as the people don't like to say this, but as the market becomes more saturated, which it is because more people are selling and the margins are getting squeezed, this happens in all businesses, like the margin will keep going down and going down. I I don't foresee a future to where we're going to be just finding 80% ROI items all over the place. Like That's just what happens with all businesses. So the more that it gets squeezed like that, the more important this stuff that we're talking about is, which it's late in the podcast and people might have even turned it off by now, but – this is like the most important part you can take about Amazon. If you don't consider these testing different things and compiling this data and trying to find these little edges, you're going to play a losing battle because that it's just way more competitive. Like if you have guys like us doing that stuff, how are you supposed to compete? Because it's just yeah. not going to be
0: possible. No, totally, totally okay. agree. Uh, yeah. You, you have to find, you have to find competitive advantages and, and, get a couple of the things we mentioned. If you know how to read atypical Keepa charts, if you are super locked into certain brands, like, you know, um, if you find sites that are offshore or whatever, like that are still legitimate, people don't know about, you know, I can go on and on. But but basically, yeah, the, the days of, in my opinion, going to a, a site where anybody has access to and like there's nothing special about the Keepa chart, you know, I don't, I always, like, I don't care if Nike has a 99% sale going on. If it's the products on the first page, it's irrelevant. Like any, and I'm obviously driving the point home. It's not what price you can get it at. It's how are you getting this at what price, where, et cetera, relative to your competition. If everybody has the same thing, it doesn't give you a competitive advantage. It doesn't matter what price you get it for. Well,
2: don't want to take up too, too much of your time, but this was great. Uh, John, awesome. do you have anything else you want to throw in there?
1: No, well, so really where don't... can they find you? Do you have any parting words, and where can people find you? Plug yeah. some
2: stuff. show uh, your stuff. Yeah. This
0: was great. Um, Yeah, Duke does Amazon, by the way. My dog's name was Duke. I am Jonathan. Uh, if I could go back in time, I'd probably change it, but it is what it is. So um, Instagram, YouTube, the main places. I use Instagram threads as well, but mainly just to screen capture so I can put it on Instagram um and that's really it i I really do think i'll be ramping up youtube uh this upcoming year um and other than that you know for anyone in the game like i always say like it's not it's not it's simple not easy like just keep showing up um you know find people at your level you know if i if i'm doing if i if you know and, and you share leads if i if I'm, it's a huge game changer. Not only that you can get, forget the leads themselves. You can ask opinions. You can, you can share something like someone at your skill level, you can literally double your output with no extra work, you know? And like, I'm at the point, I'm sure you guys are too. If I have any questions, I'm, I'm a click away from somebody being able to help me. And, um, contrarily, I would also say like, if you, if you go to people that are not at your level, whether it be below or above, not in like a, hierarchy, just like a skill set, like people don't want to just give away their storefronts, even if you want to start sharing leads. So like, you really want to trust somebody, you know, so don't take it the wrong way. If you're like, Hey, I'm just going to hit this guy up with 10 leads and he'll share me my leads. Like, you know, we all are realistic. You're going to give up your storefront by doing that. So like, you know, um, just find people at your level. And I, I, and that to me is a huge, huge game changer. That's, That's you hear everyone talk about that, but two, three people that you can bounce stuff off of, you're going to be golden. Agreed. Any
1: party words, John? I'm good. This was awesome. Thanks so much for being here. And yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Peace.